Good afternoon, good evening, and wherever you're listening, whatever time you're picking this up at, and welcome to the League of Ireland Women's Podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie with myself, Brefney Early, and of course, once again, the ever-dashing Aaron Clark. Aaron, welcome to the week of women's soccer. Welcome, it's been, it's a, it's a lovely day out, it's a lovely day out, everything's positive, everything's good, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're recording this uh, Thursday lunchtime, a little bit late this week due to a, a little bout of illness, but we're back up and running now, and we're going to be joined later on uh, by Athlone forward Dana Sharif from her two-goal salvo uh, in their win in Wexford at the weekend. We'll be talking to her in just a couple of moments. But Aaron, for you, um, plenty of interesting results over the weekend. Uh, Galway almost pulled off the shock possibly of the season so far. I think uh, six or eight weeks ago, nobody would have given them a chance against Shamrock Rovers, and really they can feel disappointed to have lost to, a, or not lost, but it feels like a loss given the way it happened, uh, as Golden towards the end of the game from Jamie Thompson equalised for Shamrock Rovers. Uh, but for you, your pick of the games of the weekend, what do you think? Um, probably Athlone's performance against Wexford for me. We spoke last week about Athlone probably needing a result. If they didn't get a result, it was a case of what happens next, and they go, they, they go out and they get that sort of result live on television. I think, for me, that was probably one of them. Yes, the Galway result, but Galway are in good form. That's the only thing you, you'd say is the fact that, like, yes, it's it's a draw against Shamrock Rovers, but they've beaten Shelburne previously, beaten Athlone before the break as well, and then they go in and, and they go in and do that. So I wasn't surprised to see them putting it up to, to uh, Shamrock Rovers, but for me, probably that, and then Treaty defending superbly against and frustrating Shelburne, but... A lot of cl- some close games, some not so close games. DLR maybe getting a, a little bit away from from the bottom two as well. Uh, a lot of teams are looking up, but some are looking are looking over their shoulder a little bit after the last couple of weeks' results. But is it not great now that rather than having two or three teams that can compete for a title, we now seem to have seven or eight teams that I I, I know there's two or three that are probably a little bit ahead of the others, but there's seven or eight teams that on their day could be anyone in the league. Yeah, like it's it's funny if you look at the the fixtures this year. Wexford beat Galway in the opening day of the season. Galway lose the Bows. Galway beat Shells. Galway draw with Rovers. Like it's just it's just a it's a mad result. And then they get a last minute winner against Go- against Cork and Turner's Cross. Then you look at the likes of Athlone in the Presidents Cup. They have a bit of a slow start, but then they come out and score three goals and 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 blitz Wexford in in, in the game live on television. Like yeah, you're right. Everybody's capable of doing that. There is still a gap between the, the bottom, unfortunately, and it's, it's probably uh, it's probably separating a little bit more. But the top seven, yeah, they're all capable of beating anybody on their day, which is great. Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you anymore. But I suppose that game down Wexford is the one that we'll start with because all the talk in the build-up to it was the new striking options that were on Wexford's team. Uh, former Athlone player, of course, Emily Corbett and Rihanna Jarrett back from the UK. But it was the striking options on the opposite side of Athlone or for the Athlone team. Uh, that took all the uh, the plaudits at the end. A 3-1 win in the end. Uh, early goal from Mern Devaney, two minutes in, on the clock, while Rihanna Jarrett did get on the score sheet after just over a quarter of an hour. Uh, but it was the last half hour of the game where things really came to light. And it was the introduction of uh, one of their American players. And I suppose it's a good opportunity for us to introduce her on the show as well. A nice little uh, intro there for uh, Dana Sharif. Have I got that right, Dana, by the way, first of all? It's, it's Sheriff. Sheriff, okay. Sheriff, yeah. okay. I, I was adding a whole exotic flair <laughs> to it there. But, uh, you're very, very welcome to the programme. Welcome to Ireland Thank as well, you. even though you've been here a while. We've seen very little of you in the league, unfortunately. Uh, but I suppose, first of all, how things for you now? I know you spent a bit of time on injured. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't ask for it to be any better right now. I'm back playing, training full time. 
and I'm just enjoying every single second of it opposed to last year, obviously, where I spent most of my time on the on the sideline watching. But yeah, I, I feel great. Before we really get into the injury, though, the fact that two goals of the weekend got your side a massive three points against a big rival in Wexford Utes down in Ferry Carrick Park. Stuff of dreams live on telly. Yeah, it was, it was nice. It was, it was especially exciting for me coming off the bench. And I think I only played about 26 minutes. And um, the first goal was kind of just like, I didn't even know what happened. And then I finally got settled into the, the match. And I just felt comfortable and confident, which I haven't in so long. And then I just, I guess I did my thing at, towards the end. But it was a great, it was a great win. It was great that it was televised. And we all just had fun with it. I'm not quite sure what happened. The first one was a rocket of adder from a corner, by the way, in case in case you missed it. Uh, the sec the second one though, uh, injury almost an injury time. Last couple of minutes of the game, um, you're two one up, reasonably comfortable. You jump on a, a loose ball and you just kind of ran ragged and you kind of had them uh, all over the place. How fun was that? First of all, just to be able to kind of uh, I, I can't even describe it, but slalom through a couple of defenders and just stick in the bottom corner. No, it was great. Like it, it, I haven't felt so good in a, in so long with my injury and stuff. And just to be able to finally be like, I feel comfortable with the football at my feet. And I just, I love what I'm doing right now is all I could ask for. There was like, I think I had the ball for too long. And in my head, I was like, all right, you got to do something with it. So that's when I just decided to strike it. But yeah, it was fun. Like that's all I really want out of it. And it was just a great time for me. You're watching on from the sideline. Game is one all in the balance. Tommy gives you the nod, says, Dane, you're coming on. What are you thinking in that in that moment? I I to be honest, like not much besides get out there and do your job, like and just enjoy it. Like I just want to enjoy every second I have on the pitch because I'm still coming back. So I'm only getting a certain amount of minutes. So I knew we needed I needed to do something. So it was really just enjoy it and make an impact. Of course, we mentioned uh, Emily Corbett at the start of the show would have been in the dressing room with you this time last year. Now in the opposite dressing room, was that a consideration in the build-up to the game? Was it mentioned at all in the dressing room? It. I mean, we we mentioned Tommy mentioned all of the players. Of course, Emily's name came up. She's a great player. Um, I actually saw her before the match, and it was it was nice. We said hello and wished each other luck, and that was really all. But like Emily's such a good player. It's I'd love for her to be in our locker room and. It's just nice to see her, and, and yeah, that's about it. For you, though, you talk about you know restricted minutes and stuff like that. How long do you think it's going to take before you maybe get back to your best, if you're back on full throttle to where you're contending for starts week in, week out? Yeah, I mean, if I want to, I want to be starting next week, you know? I want to be starting as soon as possible, but it really is about managing my um, my rehab and my injury and, like, just taking it, match by match and I'm just trusting my managers and the physios and what they know what they're doing so I just take what they say and follow and hopefully I can just keep performing the way I am so where eventually I'm at the point where I can get 90 minutes or just even get in the starting lineup. Start of the season of course the President's Cup I know you weren't directly involved in it but you would have been floating around Um, and now we're looking at uh, played five games kind of a 50% record two wins a draw and two defeats Um. Are you happy with how the season has gone so far? I think we sh- I wish we would have pushed on a little bit more coming off of the President's Cup. I mean, obviously there was so much momentum in, in the town and we had so much pride and confidence and then like kind of just didn't 
we didn't really stay with that. So I would have wished we could have pushed on with that more. But I think this win last weekend really, really helped the feelings and the emotions in the locker room and just boost everyone back up to where we need to be. So I, I, I think we're headed in the right direction now. A short season as well this year, though. There's only there's only 20 games and every game means as much. I think it's a fair to say with the fact that you're seeing bar P-Mount 2 have won five or six games, everybody else is, is taking points off each other regularly as well. Does that really show that it's it's, it's so, so competitive that you, you can afford the slow start? Yeah, and like I find that so much more interesting. And the fact that, like you said, games can go either which way and that just makes it more competitive which makes at the end of the day makes the league so much more better and and more people want to watch and i just want to keep playing so like getting a slow start i don't i'm not too concerned about it because like you said anything could happen on any day we mentioned in the intro that you're from the, the states obviously the accent gives that away as well but how does a girl from long island new york end up in uh, in athlone where does that decision happen because it's it's usually the opposite way around for, for most Irish people. So can you shed a bit of light on how you end up in the Midlands of Ireland? Yeah, I mean, it's for sure been a journey, but I started off in 2020. I went to England to get my master's degree and I didn't really have an intent of playing like on the professional level. I just wanted to play for the university team, but then COVID happened. So I had to do something because I was in England just doing nothing. And um, I met some of the girls that played for Durham told me to come try out and I did. And I just figured, wow, like these girls are doing this for a living. Like I can do that too. So then they all had connections in Iceland. I ended up playing there, got an agent. And then he said, Hey, are you interested in going to play in Ireland and Athlone? And I was like, what's Athlone? But I'm glad I, I'm glad I asked that question because now I'm here almost two years and I've enjoyed every second of it. It's funny though, like even just on the Durham relationship, because when you would have left, couple of the Irish would have then went over with Nisha McAloon and yeah. Saoirse Noonan not long after you but like talk about like being in the Midlands and, and things like that like with playing football being so far away from home like how do you occupy your days outside of football or like what like what how do you keep busy especially considering it's it's a small town and, and from someone from from New from America it, it must be completely with it being completely different yeah, no, I mean, so it was a bit different for la me last year. Obviously, I was out for injury, so I was working at a little cafe, and that really helped me out because I became really a part of the community. Like, I had my regulars. I knew people around town, and it was just awesome to be able to do something a part of football. Um, but now this year, I have more of a focus on my um, training and stuff, and it's just really managing when you train and then the little time you have throughout each training session. You can just literally – the cliches go for a walk read a book pick up some hobbies but i mean it's it's all i've ever wanted to do is just be able to play football so i can't complain of course growing up you were about maybe an hour hour and a bit outside of uh i've done a bit of research uh, an hour and a bit outside of manhattan um yeah you're a bit further from kind of that type of hustle and bustle uh, in athlone so like how does life compare from growing up in new york state versus the Midlands at the moment? I think the best way I could put it is I enjoy this lifestyle much better. I like when I came to England, I felt so relaxed. And then the whole just way about the life, like even here, it's just in New York, it's everything's fast paced, this, that, do, blah, blah. And like, I just enjoy my time. So being in Ireland and relaxing a bit, I 
would much prefer it, you know, <laughs> especially like you said, growing up, going to Manhattan every weekend, it's, it's a bit repetitive and it's draining. Like it is one of the best cities in the world, but it is draining. So I, I much enjoy, I enjoy this kind of lifestyle. Crowds are on the up for Athlone. You talked about a little bit about working last year in a, in a local cafe. Do you get stopped much in town where people want to talk about Athlone and talk about the football? Yeah. And so much more this year already. Cause like last year it was just starting to become uproar and people were copping on and, but this year, especially like you'll just be walking around town and you'll have some, you'll have like your athlone gear on and they'll just scream at you like up the town. And you're like, who just said that? And it's just a random person walking by, or you have like these little kids who just come up to you. And it's, it's actually one of the most special things I've, I've experienced so far. Cause I've never had that kind of fan base. And like, it's cool that it's a small town cause everyone's invested in everything and it's nice to be a part of. You're picking up some of the lingo as well. I heard the words cuffed on it there as well. <laughs> I say I say grand a lot too. And my friends from home are like, what are you what are you saying? Practically a little of I suppose uh, the reality of the day-to-day life though, you talk about focusing on football. Um the league has gone professional this year. Has that had an impact on you? Is that kind of part why you're able to maybe uh, and I say professional in inverted commas, the, the ability is there to earn a few euros. Uh, to play how has that affected your time in the club yeah like I said last year I was uh I picked up a job um because I had not enough time and also probably the extra crash was nice and now this year I'm able to just focus on my football and which is huge for me especially with my recovery and like wanting to be able to do and come back do everything correctly and um yeah it gives me some extra like leeway room to just be able to focus on the things I want to. You talk about, you know, focusing on fo- on football. It's it's evident, though, that your drive to be successful. So what would you say, though, would be success at, a, at a Lone Town? Doing the double. <laughs> that would be nice, doing the double. But it, it just even, like, I think success is everywhere. Like, even just seeing more people come at our, come to our matches, like, that's success for me. Seeing, like, the way the club is transforming and, and investing more into the women's side of the program, like that's success to me. So it's just everything. I think the at Lone Town as a club is just ever since I've been here, I've seen it keep going up and higher and higher. And it's just, I like where it's going. So it's all part of it. Yeah. At Lone is one of those clubs, I suppose they've, no, I wouldn't say struggle is the right word, but they've, they've been in the, that mid to lower range of the second tier in, in the Irish football uh, for a while on the men's side, but they've really come on leaps and bounds in the last 18 months on the women's side. And, and is it because of the club are, are really put, putting that investment in, whether it's human resources or, or financial resources into the ladies, the women's side of the, of the house? Has that, can you see that from on the ground in terms of yeah, the, the input? For sure, because when I, I was the first international to sign with this club, and so I really have been here from the start when they started investing into the women's side of things. And like, I've seen, I've, I've watched it go from where it was from when I first signed with the club, like last January to now. And in, it's just, even with like the girls, the girls are copying on. Like when I first got here, there was, there's not much hope in the locker room. And like now every single one of us are in there and we're like, oh, we can do this. Like, it's just everything, the environment, everything surrounding it. It's just more belief than there was when I first got here and it just keeps growing. 
what do you put that down to that that belief that change in in attitude in the, the dressing room locker room whatever you call it ah uh, locker room <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think it's just i think it's just something needed to be said like when i first came in i just walked in and i like told everyone exactly how i thought like that we could win the league and most of the girls were just looking at me with like blank faces and then even from management like they had we all have each other's back with laurie as the captain she was she had my back i have her back and it's really just reinforcing those thoughts and like until the girls are able to see like wow this is this is doable so it's it's interesting what you say there though like the one thing for me well last year was we even start talking as the season kept going can atlone do this will atlone do this because the more and more people wrote you off the more and more it sort of drove you on even further yeah that's for sure in, in terms of your contribution obviously you were injured from for most of last season um and you got to watch that progress from a, a little remove on the sideline um how did you stay involved through that injury or, or did you stay involved yeah no i did i mean i was uh, offered the chance to go home and do all of my rehab at home in new york and just come back if I wanted to after and I was just I didn't want to I wanted to be a part of the team because I believed I knew we had something special going and like I said um well I don't think I mentioned but one of my best friends from home Maddie she signed with the club and I wanted to be there I wanted to be part of all of this so I was there I was at every training session I was at every single match even though I wasn't playing on the pitch like I tried to participate as much as possible in the locker room doing the things I had to do because I wanted to, I wanted to be there. I could have easily just went off, went home and just got better over there. But I stayed, I stayed in Ireland for my team, for the club. And I just, I wouldn't have changed that decision because I think that's also why I'm still here now because I watched this all happen firsthand. And now I'm like, wow, I, I need to be a part of this now, you know? Well, you got the girls into it that you had to stick around to support them after that. You're the first <laughs> international. So it, there's a joke Tommy Tiernan, an uh, Irish comedian, tells about uh, how Irish come in and infest a place. And you uh, and one person rents a room, and all of a sudden there's 17 people living in it in, in another couple of weeks. Um, does it feel like that in the dressing room at the moment? Where sorry, I want to say locker room out of respect for your, for your Americanisms. Um, does it feel like that in the locker room now, where you've got uh, this kind of core of, of international players coming in who add that kind of um, maybe that ruthlessness at times in terms of how they approach the sport and how they 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 kind of focus on win winning at, not necessarily at all costs but winning as the priority of uh, of what the objective is for the week yeah that's a, it's a very true point because i think it was what was needed like we have all these girls with this experience who played all, all over the world and who are used to playing in high like cup finals and doing all these things and it was just you needed those people to be there and just say hey we've done this through experience like we this is what why we're here we're going to push on and then uh, the irish girls have been great like they have all invested in everything like we really are one big unit and i think just the initial push of bringing in international players kind of awoken everyone around the club where it's like oh hey like we're good enough to do this like who wouldn't want to be a part of it do you know just uh you we just want to revert back there slightly because it was sort of glossed over when you mentioned maddie gibson how did the conversation yeah. about bodies coming to athlone come about like you say, you were the first one to sign. Did you convince Maddie or how did that come about? Yeah. So it's funny because um, I got injured and me and her played in college together for four years and we were very similar players. We both played on the wing. And I was kind of like, I knew she was in Lithuania looking for a new club. And I was like, 
you want to come play in Ireland with me? And she was like, yeah, like, that's awesome. And I was like, oh, but just, you know, like, I don't, I got injured, but I don't know if I like how bad it is yet, but you should come over and play. And she's like, yeah, of course. So I brought her over kind of to like replace me in a way for the season since I knew I wasn't going to really be playing. Um, and luckily she loves it. And I get to play with her this year, which is really, really cool considering that I played with her in the past. But yeah, I just called her up. I was like, you want to come play in Ireland with me? And that's how that happened. Have you got your agent's uh, license yet? <laughs> I should, right? Like I say that all the time. I'm like, I should really become an agent. <laughs> Listen, that's that's how many an agent has started. Just those casual phone calls all of a sudden becomes a little business for yourself. In terms of, I suppose, living arrangements, do you all, because I know from up here in, in Sligo where the men all live in the same kind of area and they tend to kind of pal around together. Do you have a whole like social network away from the club as well that you all kind of hang out together? Yeah, it's really fun. We, I live in a house with Maddie and then there's a few other international girls who live in a house, but we're all right in town. And then all the men's players who are internationals have their own little houses in town. And it's, it's this cute little thing. We call ourselves the United Nations because we're, we're like this little group of internationals who just like walk around Athlone. And like, I'm sure everyone knows who we are because everyone looks different. And it's just, that's our little gang. We do everything, walks, weekends. It's, it's, it's nice. Have you got to see much of the country or get away from Athlone uh, out to local sightseeing or anything like that? Obviously, you're, you're traveling with the team, but I mean, kind of independently from that, do you get an opportunity to do that? Yeah, yeah. I love Galway. I love Galway. I've been there a few times. Um, been to Dublin. Um, haven't been met anywhere south, really but I'm getting on that this year, gonna go down to Cork. Um, that's really it. We want to Phil Trill here, you're talking about having what you like going, it could be uh, getting poached. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, love, I like the water, I like being by the water. It's, it's a cute little town. In terms of just in terms of when you're talking about that, like it must be it must be different because you see the way the Irish that they, they do the like St. Patrick's Day in America and stuff like that. Oh, what's it like to experience it from an Irish side? So it was funny because I, again, I'm from New York and we have this huge St. Patty's, St. Patrick's Day parade in, in New York City and it's unreal. And so like I've experienced that like a lot of years. And so I, this year I was so excited because I was like, let's go check out the Dublin parade like for the day. And like, it was fun. It was nice and all, but I was like, this is so small scale compared to what we do in the U.S. I'm like, why do we celebrate it like that in the U.S.? Well, it's the U.S. people that celebrate it here as well, to be fair. Uh, yeah, that's big. It's in Dublin, and it's, everyone was from the U.S. I'm like, what is the point of this? Wait until you but see a wait until you see one down the country. They're an awful lot smaller down the country. Yeah, there's there's one village beside us specialized in the most bizarre parades ever. One year they had the Invisible Parade, which was literally empty road and an MC describing what was not there in front of people. Uh, and there's there's been the backwards parade. There's been the world's smallest parade. But they get on the news every year, so they're happy out. Um, yeah. Listen, in terms of the season ahead, obviously uh, you must have ambitions for the for the year. What's the, the plan? Obviously you talk about winning the league, but I suppose how? what are the steps towards that? What are the steps towards maybe uh, getting some silverware at the end of the season like you started it with the President's Cup? Yeah, we just need to stay focused, take it match by match, have a game plan every match because, again, it's such a competitive league. Like You can't outright anybody. So just really focusing on the specific match coming up on the weekend and dealing with that as it comes, 
you don't want to get too ahead of yourself. So um, I'd really say just focus on every match that comes and then keeping myself like personally just in top tier fitness shape sharp however I can that I can contribute to my team to try to do as much as possible to get that silverware. <laughs> Listen, we'll leave it there. David, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you in the league and to be hopefully watching more of you as the season progresses and you come back uh, in a 100% manner from the injury. Uh, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Dana. Dana Sh Sheriff. I almost uh, added the flair to her name there. So, uh, Dana Sheriff there from Athlone. Um, a breath, breath of fresh air, really, into the league, kind of seeing these international players. I know we've got a few in shells, we've got a few in treaty. There's a few dotted around the league over the last few seasons. Um, we can all think of a couple of examples in terms of whether it's Kristen Sample or Cork or Sligo or um, the name escapes me, the girl that was in uh, Emma Starr for Galway last year and spent a bit of time with Shells. What do you mean? But we've seen these players come in. Um, but they do add that little bit of kind of interest to the league and intrigue to the league in terms of attracting these players in. Your thoughts on her? Do you know, I think the the most thing, the biggest thing I'll take away from that, even just speaking there, is is a personality and how much he's enjoying life, how much he's loving things. And I think for me, that's probably that's half the battle. And if you're enjoying life in a, in a city like that, you're gonna want to commit. You're gonna want to actually put your best foot forward. And you can see how much it's like she nearly lives and lives and breeds at Lone, at, at Lone do, which is which is great. And you're right, they 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 add so much. Like Jamie Erickson and Galway for the last couple of years as well. Like it's it's great and. Long may it last because players like that coming in when she says she's the first thing she done is walk in the dressing room, we come in the league. Whoever does that walking into an, an athlone dressing room, initially that probably gave them so much. Oh, somebody's thinking like that. Like, and look how close they came. The only disappointing, disappointing thing I will say about Dana is the fact that she got injured last year. Yeah. I'd have loved to see what she'd have done with a fully fit season and how much of an impact she'd had on that alone team. I think we might see uh, later this season exactly what she brings to the table uh, over the next six or eight months or so. In terms of the actual weekend, last weekend, we've talked at length now about that game at the weekend. Um, let's wrap it up. Uh, Wexford, would you be worried if you were Wexford now in terms of the responses? I know they've only played four games, they've two games in hand and most things above them. But is it a bit of a a, a poor start to the season? Yes, um, it's a slippy slope. That's the biggest thing, and we'll probably preview the fixture the fixture they have this weekend later on. But like you look at the game that they have, and it's sort of you're going straight into it, sort of thinking, "Oh no, it's another massive, massive game." If they don't get something from that game, they're potentially going to drop drop even further because an Athlone win, Athlone puts goes, you know, it looks Athlone win the weekend, and you're sort of thinking, mm, "What's going on?" But the biggest problem for Wexford is sort of being. They had a gap to the Rovers game. They had a gap then, then they played Wex at Lone again. They just haven't really been able to get going. A lot of changes, people playing in different sort of person per, uh, positions as well. It's it's a difficult one, and unless they get a massive bounce back this weekend, it, it'll be a really, really bad start to the season for them. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a look at some of the other games. Shells, of course, you were at that game. Shells won 3 nil On the face of it, good result uh, for a treaty team that's been struggling this season. Um to be within one of the league champions, I think they'd have taken it, even though it's a defeat, they'd have probably have taken it coming up the road. Defensively, they were very good. They were very, very good again defensively. They, they sort of kept Shelburne to a lot of, how would you say, shot, not necessarily shots from distance, whipping balls into the box, and then they were closing them down. They just, 
they just looked so organised. The goal that they conceded, uh, Amory Ulakin goal would be disappointed with it. Like if she does, she catches that or she she takes that cleanly, then you know, Noel Murray doesn't score in close range, and you're always on the back foot. Even when that happens, you're sort of thinking, thirteen minutes in, this this could be five, six, seven. But credit to them, they defended very well. Three or four young players on the team as well, and I think from a treaty point of view, they'd have to be really happy with that performance. Shelburne. They, they'll be frustrated, but the biggest thing from a Shelbourne point of view is yes, they didn't play superbly. Treaty didn't allow them at times and they didn't get fire on the full of cylinders, but it's three points on the board. It doesn't matter how, how you get them. Bowes walked away from a 1 0 win against Treaty on the opening day of the season, and now that win looks a little bit better. And like it's it's a win at the end of the day for Shells, and that's what Noel King will have to tell us players that it's a win from Athlone. Yes, it's a uh, from a Treaty. Yes, it's another positive backing up the fact that they got the win and then the draw before the break, but. Realistically, for treaty, there's no. It's all well and good going out and winning, losing one nil to Shelburne, if they don't come out and put on put on some better performance in the team who are in and around them this weekend. In can we can we read much into the actual result given it's the league champions and with all due respect the, the last place team in the league table last season and it was only one goal between them. Mind you, Shells did miss a penalty late on and had chances. Hit the crossbar as well. Calvin also hit the crossbar with a free kick as well. Like Shells had chances, yes. Um, like realistically, you can't. I don't think you can read an awful lot in. Yes, you got to give Treaty credit, but you can't read an awful lot into where shells are at because, like, really, they've just come off an international break as well, which is always difficult. Players are away, or the under nineteen, the underage players are away as well as the senior players and fitting in sort of thing. So it's it's difficult to read. It's difficult to read into it. Take, Treaty will take the positive. Shells will be disappointed. But shells again, they're off this weekend, so they'll have another week to let that let that one win. Sort of stir if they're not happy with the performance, which maybe isn't a good thing. Piedmont still top of the table. They had a good win down in Cork, two one, uh, two goals from Kate Mooney. She goes to the top of the goal scorers chart in the league. And uh, are they finding a little bit of form? I know they had a bit of a blip last week against Shells, but now they're kind of coming back into themselves a little bit. I think it was an important response from Piedmont because the the Shells game does no doubt hit them hit them for six because the fact that. One nil up and, and looked comfortable enough, and then second half things fall apart, and you're sort of thinking, okay, we need to see a response a response from Piedmont. Like, don't get me wrong, people are probably saying, oh, they only scored two goals against Cork, but like it's a win. It's a Kate Moon with two goals. It's a win. Yes, they're probably disappointed with the fact that they conceded a, conceded a goal, but it was as you say, it was a good strike from Lauren Walsh. The something I think a lot of people are probably talking about this game more for what's happened off the field than on the field. With the uh, with the tweet that went went around social media, I don't know if you've seen it from John Breen, who brought his his daughter. I think she has a uh, autism, brought her down to Cork and got the train down and Piedmont let them get the get the team bus back to Dublin. And I think a lot of people are talking about the, the good in Piedmont and the results sort of gone a little bit under the under the radar. But it was a good win for them, keeps them top of the table. They continue to roll on. Absolutely, but uh, they'll be happy top of the table still after six games. Of course, it's a few teams with those games in hand, so that could change as we go along the league uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, let's talk Galway United. They've been really the success story. They've been this year's Athlone story in terms of maybe the expectations at the start of the season wouldn't have been huge. Lost a lot of the more experienced players from the Galway WFC days that didn't come with the change to Galway United. New manager, a couple of new players, but one or two hiccups early on, a couple of very low-score one nils, wins and defeats in the first couple of de- games of the season, but... Uh, they've kind of come into it and almost took all three points against Shamrock Rovers this weekend. Do I need to eat some humble pie? Because of what I said about that at the start of the season when I said they were going to be, I, I didn't think they were going to be a good side. They've been very good the last couple of weeks. The result against 
shells and then, then to back it up against Athlone and come out to get a point against Rovers. They're probably more disappointed with the fact they conceded late on, but that's testament to Rovers because Rovers kept pushing against Sligo Rovers for the winner as well. And even in the second half against Wexford, when, when Wexford equalised, they pushed on and, and kept going and going and going looking for that goal. I think that's a good characteristic from the Rovers side that they're continuing to drive on. Gemma McGuinness obviously getting the goal for, for Goey. A perfect start to get to go ahead so early on. And you're thinking from a Goey point of view, lovely, but it was good character shown by Rovers. I think realistically, Phil Trill probably have to be happy to take a point yeah, point out of that game. Yes, if you offered them at the start, he'd have taken it. But conceding later on, they'd probably be disappointed. But it was it was it was one of them that it was always going to be a difficult task for him. But it was a, a good good point for Galway. Nice finish. Uh, we t- you mentioned the the shot from Lauren Walsh earlier for the Cork City goal, but Jim McGuinness's volley as well. Uh, good piece of opportunism when the ball kind of dropped her in the box. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I think. Gemma's a Gemma's a Q player in, in in the sense that she 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 knows when to be in the right places at times, and I think that was we probably thought last year with with, with Sligo like Sligo losing was a big loss for them, but for for Galway she's starting to pop in in a more. Yes, she'd be disappointed to be sent off in the in the game against Shells, but she shows you know she, she has a bit of quality about her, and I think from from them that they're, they're just coming along nicely, Galway, and if they can pick up another couple of results, maybe we're going to have to talk about them a little bit differently. But I I do think. They're nearly coming in to be the Athlone last year, but are they still a little bit behind where Athlone were last year? Probably the shorter season doesn't help. But you're right in what you said earlier, though. Was a, they've, they've either at the start of the season they were either winning games one nil or losing one nil, and now they've they're, they're they're getting a bit few more goals as well in other games, which is which is good as well. Yeah, and um, I've been impressed with Galway. I have to say, and, and that humble pie, by the way, it tastes fairly nice when you get used to it. <laughs> you get fairly used to it in this game, but the. Um, I think for me, Galway are the, are the story of the season so far. They might not, might not turn out to be league title contenders, but I think we had them in the bottom half of the table, and I can see them, if, if things stay the way they're, they're going, they're, they could be comfortable top half of the table, maybe even challenging for some of those top spots over the coming weeks. Uh, one other team who maybe need to kind of push on from the potential they've shown in recent seasons is DLR. They had a fairly straightforward victory over Sligo at the weekend, your thoughts on uh, on their victory over the bitter end? Yeah, it was a comfortable victory. Like the the Sir McAvagal was a superb, a superb strike. But like we spoke last week about this being a game where DLR will show us are they capable of moving up past past that are they are they going to be dragged into a battle with Sligo with Sligo and Cork and they showed with a, a comfortable enough win. That's comfortable wins against Cork and, and Sligo. For, so Grant Kelly will have to be extremely happy with that. Another opportunity to pick up a big three points again this week and. They're sort of looking up rather than looking down. The bow's defeat is sort of in the rearview mirror, and they're sort of thinking now, how many points can we pick up? Like the biggest thing for last year from a DLR point of view was consistency. Like, no disrespect them, but they lost half their team. Expect we expected didn't expect anything really from considering what they had to bring in, and they've 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 started the season quite well. That the result against Athlone like sort of showed that they they are still capable in in games and. Like Graham will have to be very, very happy. Three 0 win, another clean sheet. What more can you ask for from from a DLR point of view? They're still a little bit under the radar. Everybody else is talking about other teams, and they'll just continue to plod along if they can pick up the three points at the weekend. Like that'll be them. That'll be them already on the ten ten points already, and like that'll be a a really, really positive start for them. Talking about Steve Feeney's point of view, five games in, zero points on the league table. They seem to have this problem of conceding late in the last maybe 20, 30 minutes of games or even later, like we saw against Shamrock Rovers in the opening day. It's 
it's worrying for Sligo, I think, at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. Be, if you're if you're Sligo Rovers and Steve Feeney, you'd be extremely concerned at the minute. Like you brought in the likes of Casey Howe to give Amadardi a bit of support, but you only scored three goals in five in five games, conceded fourteen. As you say, a lot of them come with second half goals. You look at the, the equalise against Wexford in Ferry Carrick Park, and then get stuck stuck later on with a, with a couple of goals. And it's sort of like it's one of them that I think the it's fair to say the the form not the form the morale might be a bit low because of the fact that the way the results have gone. The 3D loss was probably a game that they targeted to get their first win of the season, and then losing that, you started thinking this is going to be difficult. And it's hard at the minute to see where they're going to pick up points. That's the that's the biggest problem. And like realistically, yes, you can see Corker Corker showing some sparks at times. The fact that they lost they lost by a goal to Piedmont, the last minute goal that they lost against Galway, they're showing some bits of capability. Whereas from Sligo Rovers, it's they're not showing us anything to show that they can potentially turn it around at the minute. They may need to change something to to do it, whether it be system personnel, just in on the pitch to try and freshen things up a little bit, but you worry for them at the moment. Well, the next month is fairly big for them. They've got four reasonably competitive games in terms of Cork, Athlone, Bohemians, and I think they had a trip to Cork uh, midway through May. Like looking at that on paper, none of those teams, maybe Bar Athlone, were in the shakeup for the title last year. So their four games they should be targeting. What? would constitute um, success in those games? Would one win with four points or four two points, wins? Yeah. I can't, the problem is I can't see them getting a result against Athlone or I can't see them getting a result against Bowles. That's the problem with them. Whereas the Cork game, it'll be difficult for them to get a result. But there, the Cork game is where they really have to turn. Four point, if you got four points from that, you'd probably say, yeah, that's a happy six points. Would be six, point, six points or more would be brilliant. But... Anything less than than three four points, you start to worry that they're going to get drift cut apart and drift 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 away from the rest. Three of those games are away, by the way. The only home game of those four is the Athlone game uh, at the end of the month, next uh, Saturday week. So, um, it, it's it's potentially uh, an an opportunity for the other teams really to push away from them at the bottom of the table. And you would be worried that if they don't find a win somewhere. It could be a, a really like, long season. Like the thing is, we don't want Sligo to be cut away. That's the biggest thing. And we're not trying to be negative here and say this Sligo get cut up. It's the last thing we want for the league. We want to see them as competitive as possible. But unfortunately, it's just not really happening for them at the moment. And like it's a long time on even till the transfer window opens because the window doesn't open until till after the till the World Cup is on. And at that stage, they'll have already played. They will have already had thirteen rounds of fixtures. Yes, they even probably played twelve games, but. With one boy, if their boy, if their second boy isn't until isn't until after, but like that's a lot of games to be playing until the window is open. And how do you change things when they're not going well? It's always difficult, and we've seen in this league that teams can be ruthless when when other teams maybe are, are a step or two off. Absolutely, I suppose that's all the games from last weekend covered on the show this week. Uh, let's take a quick look at those results. From around the ground, Shells won three United nil, Dealer Waves three, Sligo Rovers nil, Galway United, Shamrock Rovers a one all draw, Piedmont with that two one victory down in Turner's Cross against Cork City, while Athlone, as we spoke to Dana at length about, a three one win for them uh, against Westford Utes down in Ferry Carrick Park, alive on TG Car last weekend. The league table looks something along the lines of this: Piedmont United top of the table, fifteen points from their six games, Shells two points back. Uh, Shamrock Rovers two points further back with that game in hand, while Galway United ten points from their opening six games. Bowes on nine, while Athlone and DLR uh, level pegging on seven points each. 
Wexford Youths on six points, albeit with just four games played, so a couple of games in hand for uh, those for that side as well. Um, and uh, Stephen Quinn will be hoping to pick up a couple of points this weekend to uh, to make up for that. And then Trady, Cork and Sligo towards the foot of the table with four points, one point and zero points, as we've mentioned, respectively there. Um, Trady and and Cork with, I suppose, big results, big games this weekend. This was, uh, you'd find it hard to, to back any of those three teams to, to win this weekend. Sligo, they t- faced a trip to Galway. Um, DLO are, are, are the visitors to Marketsfield for Tree United and Cork City make the journey to Athlone to play them. So tough task for each of them this week. We'll talk about each individual fixture in just a couple of moments. But before we do, let's get on to the top scorers. Kate Mooney, two goals at the weekend. She puts herself top of the table. Uh, we have Jesse Stapleton on four. We believe the FAI may have taken one of the, uh, what do they call it, the contentious goals? We just need to find out which one. Yeah, we're not quite sure. It was all a bit of a mess that day in Daily Man. So uh, she did crop up with a couple of goals, but she's definitely three. We have her down as four. Megan Smith Lynch, this month's player of the month as well. We'll talk about that in a moment. Four goals for her, while Onya Warman, Maddie Gibson, Jamie Thompson, and Dana Sheriff. Ball. You know what? Great to see the American flag flying so high with the two girls, McLaren, there. Um, like some speaking to Dana, I just think even. If you can get them two onto the pitch, I know I know Dennis said they're quite similar players, but if you can get them two onto the pitch, they could really cause a lot of trouble for teams this year and could potentially skyrocket up that up that table as, as the season goes on. Absolutely. Well, if you like the foreign flags there, you're going to like them here as well. There's a Canadian one in there. Nyla Peterkin up at Lone Town. She's got a one clean sheet in her three games so far. But Courtney Maguire... Eve Badana and Rachel Kelly all on top of this particular table. Three shutouts so far for them. Uh, Neavery Burke uh, with two and then a scatter of players on one. Amanda Budden, Maeve Williams, Abigail Renane, Nyla Peterkin, Kira Glacken and Neve Coombs. Uh, surprising there maybe Amanda Budden with the team she's got in front of her. Maybe a bit of a surprise that there's not a more clean sheets in her column? Yes and no. Problem with Rovers at the minute is they're they're quite open in the middle, so they've got a lot of inexperience in the middle. So it's been quite difficult for them. Yes, they've conceded go up the top, up top that they can score goals, but they've also been conceding some some goals as well that maybe with with a bit more experience there they may may have been preventable. Like you look at the May of Russell one where she scores from thirty five yards out on the on the touchline, no one closed that down. She just has a has a, a cross come shot. She'll say it was a she probably say it was a shot, but it's definitely a cross and. Loops over Amanda Button. It's 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 one of them that like it's tough to say how how many how many Amanda will get this year. I think a show as last year she had a really 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 good defense with Shelburne behind her to to to, to how many she did get. Whereas I think from from a from a point of view, I'd, I'd expect I'd ex- if she gets out of twenty games, if she gets seven or eight, I think she's she's done very well. I'd expect probably Neve Burke to to continue to run away with this, providing that she. She she remains in, in goal for Pima for the entire season. Yeah, of course, one clean sheet as well. If we bring it back up there, one clean sheet for Neve Coombs at the bottom of that list for that one game that she did play. So uh, four clubs with three shutouts so far at loan as well. Obviously, across two goalkeepers have two clean sheets. Uh, so plenty of um, of talking points there in terms of the goalkeepers across the league. Uh, fixtures for this weekend, let's take a quick look at these games. So we've got Galway United and Sligo Rovers, 2 o'clock in AMDC Park. That, of course, the Connacht Derby. Treaty uh, United versus DLR Waves in the Marcus Field, kickoff at 5pm. Wexford Utes make the journey to Pima United 
uh, play at 5 p.m. while I suppose the traditional men's Dublin Derby, I know we'll get hammered for that. We do every time, but it is the kind of the recognised Dublin Derby, Shamrock Rovers versus Bohemians. That's in Tallis Stadium at 5.30, and it's the first time uh, the Bowes girls will travel there in competition. Uh, could be an interesting one. We'll talk about it in a moment or two as Cork City in the final game of the season of the weekend, 7pm kickoff in Athlone Town Stadium, and they play Dana Sharif's side. Uh, Dana Sharif, Dana Sheriff's side. Apologies, Dana. Um, they play at, at the, the sheriff will shoot you for that. <laughs> I said I wasn't doing puns. We said off air we weren't doing puns. I'm, I'm staying away from the dad jokes today. Um, it's been there's some interesting games there. Um, I think for me, Bose traveling to Tala uh, because of everything that's associated with the two clubs, it's going to have that little bit of spice to it. Yes, they might be title contenders at both. Uh, in isolation, but it does have that kind of, I suppose, uh, mystique to it that the the fixture has brought us over the years on the men's side. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think you'd be interested to know how many Bowers men's fans will come, how many shit Rovers men's fans will come, just because the fact that it's Bowers and Rovers, like it's it's definitely got a a, a lot of uniqueness to it. Like the interesting when you see shells play. Shells play Bowers over the recent years. It's always been a great, I would say, great atmosphere at the games. There's never been any anything to worry about. Things have just got on. You, whereas Bowers and Rovers, you hate to say it, but you'd always you'd always have that small concern in the back of your mind. You hope everything passes, and the football on the field is what we're talking about next week. For me, the game itself, from a Bowers point of view, if Bowers is to get anything out of the game, they have to be the best Bowers possible. If Bowers come into this game at about eighty percent, seventy percent. They've no chance of getting a result in this game. I think they have to be at 100% to, to take anything out of Rovers. Like you'd expect, Rovers are obviously going to be a, a massive threat. Like the only the only thing from a Rovers point of view is Abby Larkin not really scoring goals. Maybe they're relying now a little bit more on, on other players to come in. Jamie Thompson from midfield has sort of been the one to, to step up and with the four goals this season. Whereas I, from a Bowes point of view, they haven't scored a lot of goals in the games. They've only scored five goals. Yes, they've conceded four, but it's, it's one that. It could either go either way. If, if Rovers click and Rovers Rovers are on form, Rovers could score a couple. If if Bowes are if, if they're not and Bowes are hundred percent, Bowes could get something from the game. Ideally, from a Rovers point of view, if they really want to win the league, this is the sort of game that they have to be winning and they, they can't afford to, to drop points again off the back of the goal result last week. I think it remains to be said though that uh, Shamrock Rovers are the only team that nobody has beaten this year. Mm-hmm. Still, the only unbeaten side. They might not be top of the table, but they're. No one's actually found that. Now, Sligo came pretty close, so they opened the day of the season and, uh, um, in terms of getting a result against them. But it's... it's I Do Bowes have that little bit of ingenuity up front to unlock that Rovers defence? Not necessarily up front, but I think in midfield, they could definitely have a have a better presence than, than them with the likes of Keir Bates, Crosby, Rachel Doyle and Fiona, Fiona Donnelly in, in midfield. Yes, up, up top. It's difficult, but Erica Burke's probably been a bit isolated this season. But I think, realistically, is it is it is it going to come from up top? Maybe not. It might have to come from midfield. Whereas from a Rovers' point of view, yes, they're they are scoring goals, but the two relying for me at the moment on Jamie Thompson and and the performances that she's putting in. Whereas I'd like to see the likes of Larkin stepping up a little bit more, some of the other players stepping up a little bit more, and maybe taking that bit of pressure off Jamie because it's like it's like if Jamie doesn't play well, Rovers don't play well. That's what it seems to be the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, she did come up with Trump's. Uh, mind you, it was a good piece of work in, in the build-up from Onyo Gorman as well. He can't beat the the old heads either in terms of uh, the experience they bring to it. And, and it allows those youngsters around those players to really kind of grow into the league. I think Anya's been good this season. I think Anya has been good. Like, you look at the, the goal she scored against Wexford, it was just the run that she made. Um, she was just, she never stopped running all night. That was the biggest thing to take away from, from the Wexford game that Anya just kept going and going and going. And I think, listen, Anya will always give you everything she has, no matter what the situation is. So you expect nothing more than a, a seven, eight out of 10 performance every, every week from Anya. Like, whereas some of the other players probably haven't hit the strides that they would have wanted. And it's, that's probably where they where they haven't won all the games, where they've dropped points in games. But you're right, much as said though, nobody's beaten them. That's the biggest thing. Nobody's beaten them. Go, we've got a draw. Like shells have got a draw. Nobody else has taken points off them yet. In terms of the weekend's fixtures, where will you be yourself? I'm gonna go to P Mount. Um, I'm gonna go to P Mount Wexford. I think there's a lot in that game in terms of the P Mount. If they win, they keep the train going. If if they don't, Wexford could could could, could come back into it a little bit. Like I think, just think that's the for me that that's the game that's that I'm most looking forward to this weekend, and I think it'll be a, it'll be an enthralling game. Last year, remember when they commit when Wexford went up there on a on a Friday night, they were they were hammered out the door, and then the three all draw the second last day of the season. So the games between the sides have always been exciting, and I expect nothing more again the weekend. Yeah, well, it's a busy weekend of action again in the League of Ireland Women's Premier Division. Of course, uh, we're well used to that at this stage. Uh, it's going to be an absolutely exciting weekend. Wherever you happen to be taking in a game, uh, do let us know maybe on social media where you're heading for this weekend. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, but as it is, I'm breathing early for this week. It's been an action-packed show. We had Dana Sheriff on earlier. Uh, she's looking forward to uh, hosting Cork City at the weekend with her at Lone Town side. Uh, but for everyone else, I'm sure they'll be super excited about whatever games are coming up on their roster this weekend. Aaron, once again, it's been a pleasure. Um, before we wrap up, anything you want to get off your chest? I know you like to throw in a couple of... No, the only thing I will say is delighted to see Megan Smith Lynchman in Player of the Month. Um, I think she's been brilliant this month. Yes, I know a lot of people are saying Jamie Thompson has been good, but she has. Jesse Stapleton's been good. But for me, I was delighted to see Megan win. I just think she's been she's been superb for them. And now I'm just looking forward to this weekend. Uh, everything, everything remains positive. Everything remains good. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing what who throws the span on the works this weekend. And Makes us talk where we're, where we're surprised next week. Yeah, there's always one, so we wonder who it'll be this week. We'll find out on Saturday evening. Wherever you're going to be for a game, uh, enjoy your week. We'll talk to you again next week.